Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Business and Success podcast. Today, I'm joined by somebody, actually, listeners, I've already had a quick chat with. And I had a chat with our speaker today, who is uh, Regina Partain Bergman. And we'll get her to give us details of that a little bit later on. And we connected on LinkedIn and I noticed some commonality in some of the words that she was using. I recognised some of the phrases. And because of that, listeners, I knew that she would be a great guest on today's podcast. So welcome to today's podcast, Regina. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Simon. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again. We enjoyed our first chat so much. We did. We did. We certainly did. And I just want to sort of tell the listeners a little bit about you because you're an international best-selling author, speaker, profit acceleration and exit strategy specialist. I love when people (laughs) give me tongue twisters. You're the CEO of Bridgeport Strategy, host of Pursuing Profit with Principles podcast. So listeners, check out Pursuing Profit with Principles podcast and E360 TV show. And you help transform businesses and local economies, both online and offline, while helping entrepreneurs realize their vision of impacting lives and changing the world. Your signature system, Go Beyond Six Figures, helps business owners create six figures and above in net profit. Not in revenue, listeners, in net profit. And obviously, I know that you understand the challenges that are faced by small business owners uh, because you've built your own businesses to $4 million plus in annual revenue. Uh, and you've seen it crash in the economic downturn. And then obviously you've you've sort of thrived and created businesses uh, since then that can run without you and you help other people do the same. So we'll talk more about that as, as we go through. I've got to ask the first question though, Regina, and I already know the answer to this, but the listeners don't. What is your favorite drink of the day other than the water version of it? Awesome. Yes, I drink lots of water, uh, which leads to my favorite drink of the day, which is a ginger tea. It's kind of my own little creation. Uh, So it's good hot or cold uh, using fresh chopped up ginger in it. And uh, so instead of tea leaves in a little tea container, I have ginger in my little container. And then I add lemon juice and cranberry juice. And so it's very healthy and tasty and uh, good for the immune system, good for the tummy, and yeah. keeps me going. <laughs> and I know, yeah, I love ginger as well. So you know, I, I tend to have a bagged ginger tea on most mornings. I have a, in fact, I've got it at the side of me here, my, my water with a slice of lemon in the bottom. There you uh, go. Honey and water is, is my first drink of the day just to get that immune system going with honey. And ginger is so important for that. But I, I can't imagine what ginger and cranberry juice tastes like because <laughs> they're both quite sour, aren't they, in their own way yes. when you have drinking. You know, I also and, have and cranberry juice. juice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, I should imagine it makes you pull a bit of a face when you take your first sip of it in the morning, does <laughs> it? Can. 
it can yeah. depending upon how much you put in of each of those things. But and and they're they're all from a health perspective. Actually, all of those ingredient ingredients yeah. uh, came about in there from a health perspective. And so I I uh, you know the the uh, it's my go-to drink, especially if I notice that that my immune system is weak in any way. Yeah. If I if I feel a scratchy throat coming on, oh, go get the ginger. <laughs> yeah. Know, if yeah. I'm feeling anything out of sorts, it's like go have some ginger tea and it just fixes me right up. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm exactly the same with honey. And I, I don't particularly like things in my coffee, but generally, if I if I know I'm going to be drinking coffee, if I've got a client that I'll go to on a Friday and he always makes me coffee, it's his only drink he has in the office. But he always has a little bit of uh, honey. So I'll just say to him, oh, can you just take the edge off the coffee a little bit? Because it just helps you preserve <laughs> the voice and it helps boost that immune system as well. Uh, and, exactly. And like you, the honey and water, actually it's quite nice to drink when it's cold as well. It can go cold it and it's just as nice to drink. And you say the ginger and the cranberries, likewise, good to drink cold as well as, as, as it is Which warm. Is which is a good thing because yesterday being a perfect example, I made myself a cup of ginger tea, set it here beside my desk. Several hours later, remembered that it was there, had not even had a sip of it. So, okay, we'll drink this one cold. <laughs> yeah. So just to sort of spice it up a little bit more, uh, rather than asking what your favorite coffee is and all the usual things I do about coffee, what do you drink this in? Is it a, is it a traditional mug? Have you got any special thing that you like or your favorite thing that you like to drink this particular beverage in? Oh, and it's too bad I didn't have it in here with me. I, I kind of rushed into the office this morning without it. Uh, but mostly I have a, a white uh, cup that has that has some branding on it that is okay. uh, of, of a company that I work with. So, oh, right. oh, promoting yeah, the yeah. company that you work with as well. That's good. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> So you, you've, you've got your, your business and obviously helping people with profit acceleration and exit strategies uh, in particular. Um, what's been something that's been the most significant or the latest thing that you've been working on in your own business? In my own business? Mm. Mm, good question. Uh, so for myself, for my own business, it's that fine tuning of messaging and where that message is going out. You know, it's, I think, you know, there are three things, three elements that I think are really important for any business. Um, one is to know how you're different in the marketplace. Uh, another is to know who your ideal client is clearly and how you're going to get your message in front of them. And I think yeah. that's a journey. I don't think it's a one and done. For me, yeah. it's a journey. As life changes, as my focus shifts, there can be little changes in that pathway. And so I think it's really important that periodically we step back and say, okay, is this strategically still the best for me? Or do I need to make some minor adjustments or even wholesale adjustments, right? Yeah. But typically it's just a minor adjustment as you're going along, uh, yeah. identifying that market a little more closely. I think that's one of the biggest struggles for entrepreneurs is really identifying who they serve, who their ideal client is. Yeah. Do you, do you find, uh, Regina, that our clients don't stand still neither? Yeah. You know, True. Particularly in today's world, I think you know we we 
are adapting and evolving as clients to the people that we actually you know buy from etc we're adapting all the time you know with new technologies mm -hmm. new platforms new behaviors right. you know the pandemic was a big shift in behaviors going back to work has been another shift in behaviors um have you seen that change in the people you work with as well is that something you've had to keep on top of absolutely and and one of the things that I always encourage my own clients to do is to do that step back, take a look strategically. Yeah. And I think no less than quarterly, we ought to be looking at our strategy. Yeah. And unfortunately, many of us are just running headlong and yeah. don't stop and think about the strategy so much. And we can all get caught in that trap. And then we get that, that, um, what is the term I'm looking for? Um, that, where we, we start just looking at everything and buying everything and, and, and you know, yeah. oh, this will fix this, this will fix it, this will fix it. Yeah. And, and, and pretty soon we're so off track. Yeah. And I mean, I'm attracted to shiny things. So there you, you go. Know, shiny I, objects. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Uh, catch I, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, you know, if, if I'm on a training or I'm on a course and I think, oh, that might be worth attending and you know, it's going to be a, some kind of sales presentation sure. at the end of it. I leave my wallet downstairs. Because yeah, I, do there you not go. Want, I do not want any credit cards because the temptation to buy will be too much to the shiny <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, but, it, but it's important to constantly be feeding ourselves yes. in the right directions. I think it's important that we make sure that what we're feeding ourselves with, are, those things are really moving us forward and not sideways. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, getting that message uh, and fine-tuning. What kind of difference has that made to you? Have you seen... A, a change in the target market that you've been attracting? Have you seen a change in the way that they've reacted to that message? What kind of difference has that fine tuning made to you? And, and I think you said the magic word attracting. Hmm. When you, whatever your message is, is going to attract an audience. And if you don't get the message right, the audience you're attracting is not the one you want to serve. Doesn't mean you can't serve them, but it's not going to be as profitable. It's not going to be uh, as successful for you serving that market. And you also want to make sure that that they really are someone you want to serve. You know, the, the worst thing you can do is bring on the wrong clients. Mm. Uh, when I had my staffing firm, I did that. I had a banking client. I had to fire the client. Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. a fun thing to do. No, I, I do think there's something slightly satisfying and perhaps that's just me when you do fire a client because you're the one that's doing it rather than the client firing you. Yes. Uh, and you're making the decision for the for the right reasons. Um, exactly. But particularly here in the UK as we record this, you know, we, we definitely are in very difficult times, challenging times. People yes. are procrastinating over making decisions to engage with services and products. And I think more and more people are feeling pressured to say yes to people they normally wouldn't. What mm -hmm. would you say to those people? How can they better discern that decision of when to say yes or when to say no? What would you say to those people that perhaps are listening to this thinking, it's easy for you to say, but you know, I've just got to get some revenue in. Sure. And I've been there. <laughs> I can mm. completely relate to that. There's a, a little process that you can go through, first of all, before you make that offer to them to make sure you can have a series of questions 
and have them even rate themselves on how important it is for them to solve XYZ problem that they have or to achieve XYZ goal that they have. If it's not important, if it's not, a, you know, if you have them rank themselves on a scale of one to 10 and they're not at least an eight, nine or a 10, yeah. they're not ready for you yet. They're not ready to make that commitment. It's going to be you pulling teeth, trying to get them to do what they need to do in order yeah. to help them get to where they want to go. I'm speaking as a coach, um, yeah, yeah. you know, from that perspective. Um, so knowing, first of all, that they're, you know, that they are the right target market before you bring them on. Going back, the, the answer is going back to that first question you asked me, do you have your position in the market clearly identified? Do you know who your ideal client is? And do you have your message totally locked in for, to attract that person? And when you get that, you start to see more uh, of that attraction of the right client. Yeah. And I think one thing, one of the things I found is that when you do get that message, you might be worried that the numbers of leads and the number of people reaching out have come down. But actually, the quality of those that you're actually having conversations with goes through the roof. So instead of right. wasting... 20% of my week talking to people who were never going to buy from me anyway, are now spending 20% of the time with people who are committed to making yes. a decision on, on buying. And I love the way you used the word committed there because people have to be committed not just to the decision to work with you, but also the decision for success, whether it's a product, a service, a training course. Yes. I've, I've bought training courses. I've got one with Ryan Dice now. I purchased it. I paid three hundred and ninety-five dollars for it. I've had it two and a half years, and I've not undertaken it yet because my <laughs> commitment to do it just wasn't there. Wasn't there? Yeah, I spent you thought it money. was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. it was a shiny yeah. thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I would encourage folks to go back and look at their existing clients. Who are the top twenty percent of the clients that you have? The people that you would work with over and over and over again. They they do what they're supposed to do. They pay their bill. They you know they they are eager for your help, whatever you know whatever it is that you do, and look at the quality the the qualities of those of the top twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. That's you know what attracted them to you, what what got them to say yes, yeah. and and start to put that in your messaging. Yeah, sure. To bring to make the eighty percent. More, look more like the 20 percent yeah you you mentioned something very interesting in your your bio now my profession is a, a cost engineer uh, as you perhaps call them in different parts of the world or quantity surveyors we call them here in the uk so i love revenue but more importantly i love net profit because net profit allows you to invest it allows you to grow it allows you to harvest uh, it, it gives you cash in the bank, yes. um, but very few people chase the net profit and spend most of their time chasing the revenue. What insights would you give to the listeners who are perhaps on the, the revenue gravy train rather than the net profit gravy chain at the moment? Sure. There are profit levers that you can pull in your business, if you will. But there just let's take something very simple. You don't have to increase revenue in order to increase net profit. 
There are three basic areas in your profit and loss statement that can impact your bottom line. That's revenue, increasing revenue, which you can do by simply raising prices. You, you know, it Correct, just, yeah. and most entrepreneurs aren't, cost, aren't uh, charging enough for their services. So just raising your prices can raise your revenue. Reduce your cost of goods sold. What does it cost you to deliver on that product, on that sale? What's what's that cost? Where Look at that all of those costs and say, how can I reduce those? And then look at your overhead costs. How can I reduce those? Hmm. If you make just a 5% improvement in each of those three areas, so reduce your or increase your revenue by 5%. So are any of your clients going to really protest if you raise your prices by 5%? In today's right. market, definitely not. I mean, that's definitely way be, way below inflation right. over here anyway, yeah. Right. Can you find 5% in your cost that, that it takes for you to deliver that product? Can you find a 5% reduction there? Can you find 5% in your overhead cost that you can save? How could you do that? Uh, renegotiate with your suppliers. Go to your bank statement and your credit card statements and what are you paying for that you're not using? You know, you mentioned the yeah. buying a course and it's sitting on the shelf. Mm. Well, many of us have bought subscriptions to things that we're not using. Totally. Uh, we, we're spending money and not auditing ourselves to know, you know, that, that we're spending as wisely as we should and when to cut something off. And those three, if you make those three adjustments, increase revenue by 5%, decrease yeah. cost of goods sold and overhead, that will result in a 45% increase in your net profit. Hmm. Yeah, because of the compounding effect of that. Yeah. The compounding yeah. effect. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting because in, in business and when I had my construction business, the cost of sales, when people become busier, that is your time to go back to your suppliers and say, we are now doing more business with you. Yes. Can I have a better price? Right. But right. most businesses get so obsessed with the busyness, they don't yes. get those savings. And then when things take a downturn, that's when they yeah. go to their supply chain and say, we need better prices. Well, they're not going to give you the better prices when you're buying right. less. You or, have no leverage. No, when you want better terms. Yeah, they're going to give it you when you're busy. And, right. you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I use Stripe. For, for everybody to pay me, you know, if you want to right. engage with me, it's got to be by debit card, credit card, America Express or Diners Club because uh, I use Stripe. Uh, and I went to Stripe and I said to them, look, you know, I'm doing this amount of business through you. I want to do more with you. I have more clients. I want to put more through with you. What will you do? As a and they knocked 1% off the wow. fee. Uh, nice. Because I asked. And we need because to go back to those people on that bank statement, on those credit card statements, we can go back to them and say to each of them, we're growing, we want to do more with you, we are doing more with you, what discount can you give us? What right. what better scalable pricing can you give us? Uh, and we should all be doing that, shouldn't we? We should, and we all carry one of these little devices, right? Mm. We all carry our phone, yeah. How many times have you gone to your carrier and asked for a reduction in their rates? They don't want to lose you and if you tell them that you're looking at switching over to XYZ because their rates are lower, chances are they'll lower your rate to, yeah. to keep you there. Yeah. And so. if cash flow is good and you're generating net profit, sometimes you can get better prices by actually giving your suppliers better terms 
Yes. That creates yes. a stronger relationship between the two of you because they're going to yes. want to work with you if you treat them right. better and pay them right yes. uh, as well, aren't they? So, yeah, I think yeah. that's that's a really valuable lesson. So three areas. Yeah, look at your revenue. Look at your cost of sales. Look at your overheads. Love that. Everything's going to be in the threes today. I can feel it. Three elements to business. <laughs> three, three things to work on to yeah. improve your net profit as, as well. So... Obviously, you know, you've got your 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 podcast, you've got your show. Um, if you could send the listeners to somewhere to find out more about you or to reach out for a product or a service or anything you want, where would you send the listeners to today? Two things. One is my LinkedIn profile. Okay. Uh, great place to start. And it's under Regina Partain Bergman. And the second would be, if you'd like to see what profit acceleration could look like in your business, I'll send you to a free tool. You don't have to put in your, your email or anything unless you want the report that it will create for you, okay? okay? Uh, but you can just play with it. It's a simulator. You can plug in your revenue, your gross profit margin, and your net profit margin. Now, a lot of business owners don't know those last two numbers. Mm. If you don't know what those last two numbers are, you can Google... Um, you can do a Google search on average gross and net profit margin by industry yeah. and look up your industry category and it'll give you what the average is for your industry and you can plug those in. And then you can play with, if I just made a one to 10% improvement in various areas, what would that look like on my bottom line? Yeah. So it's, it's a fun way to do that. And that is at bridgeportstrategy.com forward slash SIM, S-I-M. Yeah. for simulator great, great. Uh, and can you just for those people who might not know how to spell parting or Regina, <laughs> can you just give us a little bit more how we can found you on linkedin then so uh... <laughs> sure so uh you all are familiar uh, most of your listeners are familiar with how to spell regina <laughs> yeah r-e-g-i-n-a that is my first name only here in the states we pronounce it regina and yeah. uh my, then the next name on there is Partain, P as in Paul, A-R, T as in Tom, A-I, N as in Nancy. And the last name is Bergman, as in Ingrid Bergman, B-E-R-G-M-A-N. Yep. And of course, if you didn't quite catch that, don't worry, it'll be in the show notes uh, with show the notes. podcast as awesome. well. Awesome. Uh, and we'll make sure the link to that is in the show notes. And I'll just get you to mention that before we finish off as, as well. Sure. So you you mentioned um, exit strategies uh, as well. And I just want to just ask a quick question around that. What would you say is the single most common reason or obstacle that gets in the way of the businesses you work with in the exit and exiting their business? Is there, is this, is there a common or yeah. a top one? There is. There are two, if I could okay. go to. Yeah, please. You are the business. The business can't run without you, which leads to the second one that you also don't have systems and procedures in place so others can do the work um, and do it well. But if the business relies on you or it to run, who's going to buy it? Yeah. And if it relies on you to run, how can you hire somebody to run it for you if you choose to keep it but have somebody else want to run it for yeah. you? Yeah. You have to move yourself out of the business. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I know uh, yeah, I meet lots of business owners and I remember when I first 
became a business owner back in the early 90s, I went on a course and I just left a really well-paid job that was full-time, very secure. And I'd set up my own business as an entrepreneur. And I listened to all these other entrepreneurs say uh, how many hours they worked a week. They got to take no holidays. And I'm just thinking, I just gave up a really good job and position of employment <laughs> for this. Yeah, what, for what, this. Have, I, what have I done? Uh, and very often I, I talk to business owners and I mention that, you know, can the business run without you? And very often they say, well, yes, of course it could. And I say, okay, well, when was the last time you took a, a week or two weeks or yeah. even longer? Away? Even a day. Yeah. <laughs> and and very often they say, oh, well, yeah, I choose not to. And and they business owners and probably some of you listening to this, you know, you'll justify it by saying, I have a choice of taking time away from the business, but I choose not to. And right. my question would be is just make that choice to take that time away and see how it does. And if it doesn't do well without you or it gives you a lot of anxiety and the people anxiety in the business, then that's a business that can't survive without a week right. without you. And, and that's very common, isn't it? Yeah, got a lot of work. It is. Do. I don't know what the numbers are in, in England, but here in the States, 95% of calls that business brokers get from people who want to sell their business, those 95% of those calls are turned away because they have nothing to sell. The business wasn't built to run without them. Yeah. And they walk away crying because, you know, they've spent their, their life building this business that has no value now. And frequently I will ask, or when I'm speaking with entrepreneurs, particularly about selling, you know, about exit strategy, the answer I get is, or the response I get is, well, I'm never going to sell my business. I don't plan to sell my business. Hmm. Well, what legacy do you plan to leave for your family? If, if you didn't build your business in such a way that it could be sold and something happens to you tomorrow, what does your family have? They don't have a yeah. business that they can sell in your absence. Yeah. yeah. You know, so think long term, think legacy. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I, uh, you know, I've always had a coach in all my businesses and the coach that I had when I very first started in business gave me that advice, build it to sell. And I said the same thing. I'm never going to sell my business. You know, why would I want to sell a business? It was a construction business. Right. They just don't, but I built it to sell, you know, and I use okay. some of the value building uh, elements of John Warrillow's book, Built to Sell, which is what a coach right. gave me many years ago, which is great. Uh, and I actually had, and I've never shared this on the podcast before, but I had an offer from a construction business to buy my my business, uh, probably about 2006, 2007, for multiple million pound deal. And right. my, my ego got in the way, uh, Regina, I can tell you, because... I was doing well. I was working two and a half days a week. I got five businesses on the go. Uh, I was flying helicopters. I owned a helicopter. I was driving fast cars. I was running a British motorcycle team. I was living the dream. Why would I want to sell right. the dream? Uh, but right. they saw the value in the business. And I turned them down. Two and a half years later, when the banking crisis came... I would have snapped their hands off that same offer. Yeah. But yeah. because but because I'd built it to sell, within months, I'd turned that business into one which would have sunk in the recession and the banking crisis to one that I managed to sell off 
and walk away with my head held high, which has enabled me to do what I do now. Right. But right. Even if it's even if you've got no intention, I had no intention, but it was there, ready to sell if I ever needed to, and we did it quickly. Right. Yeah. Create we, the value. Yeah, we spotted the trend, we saw where it was going, and we bailed out quickly. Good for you. Uh, Good for and, you. Yeah. So yeah. I can't emphasize that enough. Even if you think you're never going to sell, build it to sell anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Love one that. day, one day it might be an owner based business. Yeah. Where the employees become the owners of the business. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. and some kind of entrepreneur, you know, enterprise or something like that. So uh, anyway, um, I want to ask you one more tip. You're giving us so much value already today, Regina, as well. But if you could give the listeners one tip one lesson to take away that they can actually implement from today's podcast. What would you want to share with the listeners today? One thing that you could do right this moment, take you five minutes to do it, hmm. increase your prices. <laughs> now, the most... thing would be cut those costs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I, I can sense the, the overwhelming cringing as you mentioned that for the <laughs> listeners I, yeah. yeah do you not know what's happening out there if i increase my prices i can't afford to lose clients yeah, and that fear sets in doesn't yes, it yes yes uh, what would you does. say to those people that have just heard that and i think that's a great yeah. tip by the way listeners so you go out there and you even if it's only by five percent increase your prices even if it's only by five percent what would you say the to those people that are paralyzed by that sure and and most of us are we think we're going to lose all our business all of our current clients and we think that that we're not going to be able to bring on new clients. Two two responses I have to that. One is the clients that you you will you may lose some clients right now when you raise your prices, but those are the the clients who are costing you the most right now. They are the clients that are the hardest to work with, that are always looking for a deal, that are you know constantly causing uh, conflict for you. Okay, yeah. like we talked about firing clients earlier. Sure. Those are some of the clients that you don't need. Right. So you may. But when you run the numbers, and I can't go through that with you right now, but when you run the numbers, you'll see that there's a certain amount of clients you can lose and not lose money when yeah. you raise those prices. And uh, the second half of that was. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. well, we're talking about cutting um, the cost, but I, but I just want to yeah. just want to add one thing to what you just said there. To anybody that always says to me, I don't rise, raise my prices because clients will leave. And you're quite right. Some will leave uh, and some will stay. But ask yourself the other question. How confident are you in your product, your service and your customer service? Because if you're saying that, you know, are you really delivering the value of what your client and your customers are looking for, isn't it? Because that's usually exactly. where the problem lies because it's not the, yeah. the worry about the price. It's the worry that you're not delivering enough value that you say right. you're going to deliver to them. Right. And and the second half of that was people don't buy on price, they buy on value. Yeah. And if you can clearly articulate your value over that of your competition, the price is not going to matter. Hmm. They will pay more for more value because yeah. they're looking for value. Yeah. They look and for price when it's a commodity. Correct. But yeah. not when it's something they really and want. I think, listeners, there was something else that Regina mentioned earlier on as well about taking those top 20% of the best customers that you've got and looking at why they bought from you 
because if you actually get feedback from them, if you understand why they're with you and why they stay with you, then you should be doing that on a regular basis. You should be doing that review because then that will give you the confidence to raise prices. And I've had people, clients I've had who have raised their prices and their clients have said about time. We we were exactly. starting we were starting to get worried that you would not be around for much longer if you didn't increase your prices. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you know that you're delivering more value and they are starting to get concerned that how can you keep doing this for right. the same price? So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you uh, the last question then Virginia and thank you for sharing that that value. But before I do just give us that link to the uh, the website again, where people can have a sure. look at their net profit. Bridgeportstrategy.com forward slash sim, S I M, which stands for simulator. Great. So we know where to go. So Bridgeport Strategy, all one word, dot com, all one word, forward slash sim, S I M. Great. Yes. Well, listeners, go and check that out, as well as connecting with Gina on LinkedIn, etc. Now, I can see in the background, and I know you listening to this podcast probably uh, will be a little bit lost with this, but Regina has uh, several books sort of propped up there very prominently, as well as a bookshelf behind, as I always have my bookshelf behind me. But if I could ask you, Regina, where your dream next ginger drink would be, so dream location, where it would be, and what book would you be reading whilst Ooh. having that ginger tea? Oh, so where and what book? Nice question. Nice question. Actually, I would love to go to England, to be honest. Um, I have history there. My first husband, who passed away in 2014, his mother was from England. She was from Teddington. And I would love to go sometime to England and, and see family on, on his side of the family. What drink would I be drinking? Hmm. Well, what book? What book would you be reading? Oh, what book would I be that? reading? Yeah. Yes. What book would I be reading? That's that's a really good question, and I don't have an answer to be honest. Yeah. You know, I used to uh, talking about. We've talked about some of the things about entrepreneurs or business people not having time. I used to be an avid fiction reader, and okay. have not been doing that a lot lately. My my right. my reading has been more nonfiction, more yeah, growth development kinds of things. Um, I, over the years, I, one of the things my mother-in-law introduced me to was the Georgette Hare novels. I don't know if you're familiar with those or not, but they're, no, no. uh, she was an English author and she wrote, uh, historical romance and oh. I enjoyed all those historical romance books. So I'd probably find something like that yeah, and yeah. just, and enjoy. And be reading it in Teddington. <laughs> I think that's a great British name, isn't it? Teddington, yeah. I love that. I think that's great. I'm gonna to have to Google it, listeners. You need to let us know where Teddington is because you know I've yeah. I've not heard of it, and I'm here in the UK, but it sounds it's an ideal place. It's somewhere near London, but I don't remember which direction, uh, you know, geographically. But I think it's somewhere near London. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah she came very, to the states as a war bride posh. in World War II. Yeah. yeah, it sounds very posh. Very posh. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I think your cup of tea and your pint of beer will cost you quite a bit of money in Teddington. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, well, look, Virginia, you've been an absolute great uh, guest. You've shared so much insight and value as, as as I knew that you would. Listeners, you need to do that. You need to take five minutes to look at increasing your prices 
and do it with the confidence that you understand what your customers value in what you provide, whether it's a service, a product, a commodity, make sure your customers value it and they increase your prices and see what difference it makes. Do it and do it, do it quickly. Uh, you've been a great value and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's been a joy to be here. I've enjoyed our time together, Simon. And listeners, you only have two jobs to do now. One, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss uh, an episode. And the other thing is, as I do with all podcast guests, go and have a look at Regina's podcast, Pursuing Profit with Principles. Uh, have a look at that backlog of episodes and, of course, let us both know what you think of our podcast by leaving us a review and telling us a little bit more about the value that you've taken away. And as always, I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.